Ooh, cool. I have assistants and everything. They said I can't wander around unassisted. So I have Cass, and I have this. <laughs> that, that keeps me uh, uh, grounded and obeying the rules. And I haven't driven. Well, but I don't remember a lot, so maybe I have. <laughs> a lot of those things. It's interesting when you have a sudden change of plans. You're going one direction, and then you know things turn quickly. And apparently, you're not supposed to lay the skid steer down for it to rest. It's supposed to keep going the way it's going, so that kind of messed things up. And uh, kind of interfered with activities and everybody else's activities and kind of rearranged our scheduling, but I appreciate all the help, all the uh, uh, adjustments that were made and all the prayers spoken. That just makes a big difference. God has been gracious in uh, coming alongside. And and when you don't remember, and I'm sure you know lots of you have been through those things, when you're in a surgery or accident or something, you don't remember what's going on, but somebody's there taking care of you. So, you know, God is there, and you got people he sent, and they help, and just amazing. So I appreciate appreciate all that. And we are in the midst of going through this supremacy, thing, supremacy of Jesus Christ, and we want to keep going with that. That's the book of Colossians where we are currently... And he is supreme. And in all these situations and all the things that, that come along in life, he still rules. And he is alongside and stuff happens and, and stuff we don't want to happen happens. And you, go, you just keep going because he's still at work and he's not done yet. And a lot of that is to reveal his power. And it's also an opportunity for him to show uh, his assistance through others, through angels, through people who are angels, and just amazing all that all that that comes together. So we are in Colossians chapter three, three new life initiatives, and this book is written in the mid century mid-first century, and it's written to a group of people who are primarily uh, of uh, Greek, non-Jewish origin, worshiping uh, other gods, and they are living life as normal, just planting their crops if they're farmers, making their goods if they're tradesmen. Uh, providing a service in town if that's what was needed, building houses, all those things. And it's just normal life kind of stuff is going on. And in the midst of that, they hear about Jesus, and it changes everything. It turns them in a totally new direction. And they have to figure out, how do we do this? How do we live life with this God who is actually above and beyond everything we know. He's made it all. He's created all of these things. He's, he's made our bodies. He's given life to us. And somehow we have to connect with him. They don't know him. 
up until this point, they know some other gods that they have credited with those things. So they're looking to Zeus and Apollos, Athena, other, other gods. And then suddenly they find out, no, those, those gods have come along as usurpers trying to get a, the worship and, and attention that the one true, the most high God deserves. And they have to turn their sights in a totally different direction. All the world around them is living like the Greeks or the Romans of the first century. And they're looking at life just the way the world around them exists. That's how they think um, spring uh, follows winter. That's the, the return of a god. And depending on which religion you have, you have different ones that return at that particular point in spring. And then that's why we have new life and new, and new things are happening. They don't see it as there's one God who's controlling those things or set those in motion since creation and now they're, they're playing themselves out. They don't see it that way. So they've filled in with their own culture, their own thoughts, how their family stories are told. The holidays that they, they celebrate are the ones that fit their culture, their gods, their time, their schedules, and they become uh, powerful events. If you've gotten... Uh, over time, depending on how your family saw different holidays, if Thanksgiving is a big one or if the summer uh, family gathering is the big one, there's something that happens within a family unit or fam the broader family that says, you have to get together and do these things with us. And there's pressure, and there's certain ways you do it, certain foods that you serve. And if you hang out with another family, you go, well, why are you serving that? Uh, Thanksgiving, you, you know, I never liked those sweet, uh, whipped, creamy kind of uh, sweet potatoes. You guys must be idiots to serve stuff like that. And and then other people go, I get tired of turkey. I don't like turkey at Christmas. I want something decent like a steak. And And so you just agree, disagree, go all these different directions. But the thing that's common is you have something. And you have something that you think is the right thing. Well, so did they. And then somebody comes along and says, all of it, every stinking holiday, every meal. We're not even picking on sweet potatoes and turkey. Everything is totally off. How do you handle that? Oh my gosh, it doesn't work. And if you accept Christ, you and your family, so you got five, six, eight, ten of you, in your group, and you decide, I'm going to walk with Christ. And the rest of your family, the extended family who would get together for these holidays, or the rest of the community, you are out of step. Not only with uh, turkey and, and dressing or whatever it might be, you are totally approaching life in a way that is 180 degrees different because you're following Christ. And why am I telling you all that? Because when this group came to Christ, they had to change everything. They are out of step with the Greek philosophers. They are at odds with the Roman gods. They are not fitting into their community or their families. And if you know what that feels like, like you just may aggravate your family and be out of touch for a little bit. What if what you stand for in believing in Jesus puts you at odds with everyone? 
and everything. And now you have to live. And so for a lot of them, they cave. A lot of people still do. Well, I'll just, you know, I just won't hold on to the real truth. I'll just hold on to a little bit of it. But you don't want to get, you know, too serious about this. This is life and death. This is the one who rose from the dead. No one else has done that. There's, there's stories about other gods and those other... Baal was even supposed to come to life every spring. But those are just stories. So we have a real one, a real resurrection, a change that makes all of history different, an opportunity to live life in an entirely new way because he wants to include us in the power of the resurrection. And he's bringing that to us in a way that makes it practical. We can live this life in this world with all the constraints, all the problems, all the brokenness, and live it out fully with his power because he's coming along to, to make it so. And he's given us an insight into what's coming. He said, there's more. There's heaven. And I'm preparing a place for you. And I'm preparing a place for you that is beyond anything you can imagine here. And it's coming. Not yet, but it's coming. And I'm proof, because I came back from the dead, that what I'm telling you is true. And no one else has done this. No other religion, no other philosopher, only Jesus. So it makes it a unique situation. And that's where we pick up these guys. What they heard, Paul never met these people, so he's writing a letter to them just to encourage them and give them some direction. But he is speaking to them about this whole change of life. So let me read from Colossians 3, uh, verses 1 through 4. Whole new life. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. So Christ has been raised to new life. We get to be part of that. We've been raised with him. He's offering us uh, a new way to live while we're here, definitely a new way to live in the new heaven, new earth. But for now, on this planet, we get to live a new life. And we are told, set your sights on the realities of heaven. And that's where we always wind up going, "Ah, I can't do that. i got responsibilities. I've got important things to take care of. And even though you may nod in church and go, oh, yeah, think, yeah, think about heaven. Yeah, by the time you get driving down the road, you'll be right back to, I got responsibilities, I got stuff, I got to go do something. I need to go shopping at Walmart, so it's not even you know, a mile away. And, and all of that thinking about heaven thing just went out the window because there's a crowd down there from all the Methodists and Baptists to get out of church. And the people who don't go to church, and they're just at Walmart. So you've got this whole thing going on. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Christ sets. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Look, he's already repeated it. Why? Because you died to this life. Your real life is hidden with Christ and God. You go, 
No, wait a minute. It may be, but I've got responsibilities. I've got all these practical things, and I just, that just, it's not going to work for me. How can you live the new life? How can you live the new, the new life? So you, you come to Christ. This amazing thing has happened. It's 2,000 years ago when it occurred, but the reality is you can experience it now. And we are told by Scripture that this is available to us. But still, as people living in this day, this time, we have the same mind, the same body. So we're thinking the same way. We are living in the same body. Now, maybe not the one that was you know, strong and active at one time. Maybe it's achy and older. But it, you know, we, we just, we've got the same thing. We're in the same planet. We've got the same, same thing going on. Same group of people, either friends or family. And those, all of those holidays and all those meaningful meals and who eats what and who doesn't eat what and all of that, same thing's going on. The culture, who's mad at the president, what's Congress doing, what in the world is the Supreme Court thinking, what are those other countries doing, all those things are going on. And we're, we are told to live a new life. Well, you can't do that because, you know, CNN says, you know, we're, we're in big trouble. Fox News says, oh, my gosh. So, you know, we can't do it. And sadly, many of us believe it. And yet scripture says Christ was raised from the dead. You know, nobody's just hopping out, out of the grave. You can go down to the cemetery. Most of those people are still there. Almost 99.9%. No, they're all there. It just, you just don't do that. So why are we told this? Because he rose from the dead. This is new, new life, new life available for us. He's proven it. That was, that was the big proof for all time that nobody else has ever done. Nobody will do until he says, come out of the grave and let's, let's go. And when he says that, we're gonna, we go with him. But he's saying, with that power, you can live in this world the way I've told you to live. Even with, you're still stuck in the same mind, body, group of people, things are going on. How do we do it? Three new life initiatives. Initiative is overcoming initial inertia. That means somebody has to move something. Some, somebody has to get up and get it rolling. So to get an initiative means there's motivation, there's a reason, there's, there's a, a energy put into this to change something. So three new life initiatives. Rethink, reinforce, refocus. That's Colossians 3, 5. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you, having Nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. So we have a process, these initiatives that we can take and change things and, and live this new life that we've been given, this opportunity to know the living God, to experience Christ in a real way, in the real world, in our minds, bodies, with the same group of people in, with the same things going on. Just like he's telling the Colossians, living in the Roman Empire under Greek influence with false gods, other gods, 
Things are going on. Same group of people, their family doesn't say you have to move to a mountain and live all alone. Right there where they are, all the same pressures, you can do this. And he's saying we can do that too. Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. We start with that. Rethink. Rethink. So putting to death those kinds of things is is part of this process. We have to enter into this new life thinking of heaven more than earth. That means a, a, a shift in the way we approach things. We don't do it the same way we've always done it. That returning back to, well, you know, uh, we've always done it this way, so we can, never, we can never change it. I just went to D.C. Well, our whole cast and kids, well, we were in D.C. But I was the only one that went to the Air and Space Museum because they all had norovirus, which was a whole lot less exciting than what I was doing. It kept them moving, though. <laughs> so, so I go, I go down to the, to the Air and Space Museum, Smithsonian, and I see the Wright brothers' plane. They took to Kitty Hawk you know, back in 1903. They got that thing to fly. It's just a giant kite, but it has a motor on it. So it's motorized flight, so this is a big deal. They tried it over and over and kept crashing, and then finally they got this one. It works. So you get the plane to work, and the guy lays there. You've probably seen pictures, and he's got the little stick, and he's making this you know, giant propeller. He's pushing this kite along, and he's guiding it. And you go, man, you know, man flight. That is awesome. We're done. We have arrived. He goes in the record books. He's in the Smithsonian, or the plane is in the Smithsonian. This is so incredible. If they had stopped, you would never have taken a flight anywhere. Nobody would ever land on the moon. Nobody would be transporting your stuff from one country to another so you can order it on Amazon and have it the next day. The stuff wouldn't happen because flight isn't allowed because that's the way we've done it. That worked. We're going to keep the kite. We can only haul one, maybe two people on the kite. We're done. See how ridiculous that is? Why did we move forward? Why do we keep going? Why is there more to flight than that? Yeah. Have we maxed it out yet? Not hardly. We're still going. So then why is spiritual life like a Wright Brothers flyer? And we go, that's enough. I'm done. I heard about it in Sunday school, or I never went to Sunday school. Somebody told me something about the gospel. Somebody told me something once, or I heard it on TV. I read a book once. I'm done. And if you're going to tell me something different or more, or you know, that makes me have to work, then um, no, I'm done. So we're still flying the Wright Brothers' simple kite airplane. And saying that's all we need, ever. When there's so much more. And we're invited into so much more. How do we get there? There's stuff in us that's holding us back. For centuries, people said, uh, to be able to fly is ridiculous. This is science. Scientists were saying this. Into the 1800s. It's 1903 before they get this thing to work. Into the 1800s, they're going, ah, you can't. Now you can fill an air with hot, or a balloon with hot air and fly and float around. 
But, you know, this whole wing flight motorized, you know, that's just ridiculous. They also didn't think you should travel faster than 12 miles an hour because we didn't know what would happen at extreme speed. That's why railroads were threatening in the early 1800s. We might get above 12 miles an hour. We are so smart as a human race, aren't we? Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. What are those? Settled inside, the things that are settled inside, comfortable and familiar, and things of earth. They are the ways of thinking that guide our lives. And we're just comfortable with them. We know how to function. When I mention those family holidays and the meals, you know what they are for your group. You know who's going to be there. You know who you shouldn't say certain things to. You know what sets people off. And you know how the place, how the table will be set, how, what chairs will be around it. You can just run your head through the whole deal because it's comfortable and familiar. That's the things of earth. Nothing wrong with knowing all that stuff. It's just that there are things that we hold on to. And what Paul's trying to say is don't hold on to the things that are not true. That God has revealed so much more. He has so much more for us, each, each of us. Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. And it's the stuff that, that pulls us away from God. It's the stuff that keeps us uh, struggling with even our own motivations, our own intent, our own... Uh, it trips us up when we think about trying something new. Well, I can't do I could never do There is no way I can do that. And... Up until Jesus, nobody ever walked out of a grave. Since you've been raised a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, which means this is a new day. It's not the same. And to say, I can't do it because that's how I've always done it. That's how we've always done it. Go get your kite flyer and pretend that's all life can ever be. Can't talk on a phone because that would be way beyond that possibility. Because that's technology, right? That takes us beyond what we knew 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years ago. And he said, that stuff will kill us. Set your sights on heaven. It's way up there where Christ is. He's proven it's a new day. He's risen from the dead. Now put to death the stuff that holds you back. What are the sinful things? Anything that misses the mark Anything, the, the idea of sin, hamartia, the Greek word, has to do with a target, and you're shooting at the target, and you miss it. You miss it by a mile. You can miss it a little bit. You still miss it. What are those sinful things? What is it? A schedule, the busyness, bad attitude, lack of, of any design in, in life that focuses on the things of God. That everything that thinks about the world, everything that draws us into being worried by of being consumed by by the economy, finances. Where is my my four hundred one k is going to be affected by inflation? Yeah, the world's warming up. The world's cooling down. The world's going to spin out of orbit. The sun's going to blow up. Okay, in the meantime, Jesus is risen from the dead. He's not turning all that stuff loose. He is not releasing you to worry about all those things. Put to death that hold, all that stuff has. Don't miss it. Don't miss the target. That's sinful. 
shoot for the things that God has given us to shoot for. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. And we, you know, we all struggle with some of that kind of stuff. So here's the rethink initiative. And you get an image. There's an image of a dead tree and a live tree. Starve the brain of evil and feed the brain heavenly nourishment. So if you starve it of all the negativity, all the earthly, all the stuff I want to be anxious and worried about, all the people I want to control at every family reunion, all the extended family or nations. You know, you may want to, you may want to run Russia because I don't like what they're doing, so I think I'll just run it. Good luck with that. But it consumes. Have you ever noticed that? You get so wrapped up in the news. You get so wrapped up in controlling. And so-and-so and and niece here and somebody over in another county or country or whatever. And I need, you know, they need to do it this way. Maybe so. What can you do about it? I can spin my wheels and use up energy and be anxious and worried and trying to control everybody and my roots die up because I have no spiritual nourishment and the tree that looks dead up there would represent your brain because now you're consumed with all the things you have no business being involved in in the first place. Now, if you're praying for somebody, that can be a different thing. The idea is to feed the brain heavenly nourishment which is what he just said. Christ has, been, has given you new life. He's raised a new life. Now he's given you life. Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where you can feed your brain, where you feed your, your soul, where your mind comes alive, and it becomes green and lush and creative and becomes what God has designed it to be. So that's the call. Starve the brain of evil. Feed the brain heavenly nourishment. Move it in that direction. Reinforce. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Uh, That image up there is Pinocchio uh, from the... If you've seen the movie or know the story, Pinocchio was tempted by the pleasures of the world. It did not go well, in case you don't remember. Did not go well. Pleasure Island, that just works for so many people. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. The the, uh, sexual immorality was rampant in Roman and Greek times. Part of the worship was often related to temple prostitutes. It was a normal part of their uh, practices or religion. I mean, a number of things were involved in that. This also has to do with God trying to direct people to proper use of everything. The, the sin of the watchers in Genesis 6 is those beings who were given a, a place of keeping an eye on humanity decide that they had a desire for human women, gave up their place, they get involved with the women, and they have sex with them. So now we've got this crossing over out of whack uh, immorality. And then it's been carried on in different religions and in different... Uh, one of the things that God hates about adultery is because it's crossing those lines. He wants it to be pure and perfect and on track with what he has. So we're building up 
each other. Love is is uh, central, and where marriage is sacred, and he puts all of those things together. So this is a have nothing to do with those things. That was common in that era and that uh, in that time in the first century. Also very big now. Sexual immorality, impurity, mixing in every other kind of thing into it. Lust is a is a strong desire. The word has to do with strong desire, but then he makes sure you understand evil desires. So it is a uh, directed towards things that are not centered on God or heaven. He just said, "Be filling your head with the things of heaven." So we're living a new life. It takes this this actual practice to break away from the things that grab us and there are evil desires we can stop short and think well you know i'm i'm not hanging hanging out at at some with with a prostitute i'm not hanging out with so i'm not having those kind of affairs you go jesus kind of covers that too it's it's the whole broad stroke it's not thinking about heaven it's thinking about uh, pleasure Island. It's thinking about the self. It's focused on on controlling, and it may include the, those things that come to mind quickly with sexual immorality and purity. But can and strong desires for anything, the pleasures of this world, too much of the of food, too much of entertainment, too much of just me, and you go hmm. It's all those things. So, reinforce. Here's the initiative for reinforce. Pursue God. Practice, practice, practice heavenly living. Pursue God. Practice, practice, practice heavenly living. So, Caitlin Clark, who is there with the basketball... Uh, that's, she played for Iowa. They did not win in this last NCAA championship, but she did set records nobody had ever touched. She set the record of the most scoring points in NCAA, NCAA history, men or women. She is phenomenal. And... Just to throw out this uh, reason for sharing her her story, she pursued basketball, practiced basketball. Had she been playing checkers and spending a whole lot of time at the zoo, would she have achieved what she did in basketball? And hopefully you'll say no. And so that's the idea. What do you do to focus on these things that will actually make a difference. She did it. She pursued it. She practiced it. She kept her mind on it. She focused. You could see these um, making these goals and rebounds. I mean, it's amazing. Just the number of things she has on the list is incredible. You don't get there if you don't put in the effort. That's the initiative part. Heavenly living is the highest level of life. It's not stumbled upon or lazily achieved. It requires effort. What if we are supposed to be thinking about the things of heaven, but we really don't put any effort in that? Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, we should be thinking about heaven. That will really help me this week. 
Mm, yeah, for about five minutes after we talk about it. And then I'm right back to, here's how I've done it. This is how I've always done it. This is how, and you're right back to the right kite flyer. This is how we've always done it. I'm not going about to break out of that and get to a jet. I just, I'm just happy with this. And God's saying, I've got so much more for you. Jesus rose from the dead for you to give you power to live a new life, to make, it, make a difference for you and for everyone around you. That's what he's done. But it requires effort on our part. And reinforcing that reality requires uh, taking, taking these things seriously, pursuing God, practice, practice, practice. Doesn't mean we're going to get the first time. Sometimes things break. Sometimes we mess up the very next hour. Stuff happens. We get right back up and we keep pursuing and we keep looking to him and we keep looking to heaven and seeing, all right, God, I know you got more. And he, he's ready. He does have more and he wants to bring it. We keep practicing. That's how we get there. So reinforce initiative and then refocus don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be greedy. It's just more and more for the self, and whatever it is. It can be attention. It can be control. It's um, the desire to, to hoard, keep things, you know, giant, bigger bank account coming my way, uh, more stuff that makes me look good, more accolades, more, more uh, people making a claim over how cute we look, how uh, much we've accomplished, whatever it is. But the greedy person thing is we're worshiping that, and we're worshiping us in the midst of that. And it, it can happen at the smallest level, and we can look at... Somebody else who's a big time and in, in the news or something, go, yeah, that guy. Mm, he wrote to the people in Colossae. This wasn't a fancy town. This isn't Rome. This, this is just a, just a berg on, on the edge of nowhere. And he wrote to them and said, do this stuff. You go, why would he tell them that? Because we're not answering to the big media moguls or to the crowd. We're answering to the living God. We are being observed by his angels, the host of heaven, and they know whether we're doing it or not. They report to him. He's keeping, uh, keeping tabs. Are we worshiping him or the things of this world? And we are called to be thinking about the things of heaven. And then we respond differently to the world around us. So refocus. Here's the initiative for refocus. Passionately trust God to provide for your deepest needs, wants, and desires. Just trust him to do that. Jesus said, God cares for the birds and flowers, and he will take care of you. Trust him. Turn from worry and anxiety to getting to know him, trying him, relying on him, and then see if you don't blossom. 
See if the blossoming doesn't happen because you're trusting him and seeing how he comes to meet you no matter what's going on, no matter what the world's doing, no matter what relatives are doing, no matter what people are eating at their Thanksgiving dinner, no matter what is going on. Jesus said, God knows how to take care of the flowers, the birds. They don't plant. They don't spin their own yarn. They don't make their own material. He just takes care of them. And they're better off than anyone else. So what he was saying in all of that is, trust me. Pursue the living God. Trust him. That breaks us from leaning on the world and the old way we've done things. Because if you're familiar with trying to run everything, be in control of everything, designing your own happiness, and then finding out it just takes off, and you go, and it becomes empty, and, and yet here's the one true God who has sent his son, who's paid the penalty for us, made life possible in a way we couldn't have experienced it before. He's risen from the dead, overcome death to make new life available to us. And he says, trust me. Trust me. Do it my way, not your way. Trust me to, to be with you in everything, whatever is coming. Think about heaven, not the earth. And immediately upon Leaving this place, people go right back to the earth. What are my responsibilities? What can I get done today, this afternoon? What about Monday? Monday's coming. Oh my gosh, i got to get on that. And God's saying, think about heaven. And tomorrow morning, he's going to say, think about heaven. On Tuesday morning, he's going to say, think about heaven. But I'm sick. I may be dying. Or somebody I know is dying. Think about heaven. But those people in Washington, think about heaven. But the Russian government, think about heaven. When does it stop? When you're in heaven. Between here and there, you know what the instructions are? Think about heaven. Keep focused on him. Pursue him. Three new life initiatives. Rethink, reinforce, refocus. Colossians 3, 5. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of the world. We want to be free of this world. We want to know all that God has for us. So we can live out in this world the kingdom of God. And make a difference, not only for ourselves, but everyone around us. It changes the world to do that. How many will be able to sign up for that one? It's open to everyone. It's a matter of what we choose. If we die to the old stuff and embrace what he's bringing, ah, heaven breaks loose. It's available for everyone. And you are invited, even today. It's a you know beautiful Spring day, a great time to say, yes, Lord. Maybe there's something there. Maybe there's something that's just been lurking. Something inside, something holding back, something that's just not straightened out yet. Maybe you just hadn't thought it through. Whatever it is, it's time to say, I, I, I want to be thinking about heaven. I want to be thinking about the things that, that are priority for the living God. 
And that doesn't mean you pass over the things here. He wants you to be responsible. He's just going to give you energy and a, a new way of thinking about it so that it takes on a different priority. So you can do it better. You can be a better uh, friend, family member, better better connected to your job, better connected to school, better connected to the community. It all changes for the, for the better because we put our minds on heaven and not the things of the earth. It's incredible. And we can get past flying that little kite airplane that the Wright brothers came up with, which is cute, but I don't want to travel to Europe in it. Just saying, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for allowing us some time together. Thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for those who have walked with you, uh, those in Colossae, Paul and his team. Thank you for those in the 2,000 years since and for all of us sitting here today. Thank you for your, your goodness. That is just so incredible. Thank you for offering us life, new life, and empowering us by the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.